Alrighty, hello everybody. Welcome to The Wealth of Health. My name is Taylor Beasley. I am your host, and thank you for deciding to listen to this podcast all about what it really means to be healthy, what it means to have gratitude for that health, and those little things in life that we don't really take like think about, um, but we might want to be thinking about a little bit harder. Um, now, first episode big learning curve, not going to lie. I'm not a computer science major. I study words. Um, I don't, I didn't know how to do any of this. I bought, I got a microphone for Christmas because I wanted to do this. And then I had to like Google shit and be like how to start a podcast. So figuring things out, things may or may not sound a little wonky. I have recorded this probably five times now. So bear with me here. I'm trying to make it work. Um, But because this is the first episode, I kind of wanted to take some time to introduce myself, what the whole goal is here. So I am 20 years old. I am from California. Um, I go to school in Oxford, Ohio, though, at Miami University. So we have Miami, which is technically like the name of a Florida place. God, Taylor, sometimes it's ironic that I have a podcast and study words, but sometimes I really can't talk. Um... (laughs) Miami is a major city in Florida. Oxford is a major place. And I think England, uh, please tell me if I'm tripping here. Um, And then Ohio is Ohio. So uh, there's that. Um, Moving along. I don't, I don't want to get too caught up on me right now. Um, This whole idea of the podcast has been a long time coming for me. Um, my health journey started when I was in fifth grade. So you could basically say I've been working on this since I was nine years old, I would guess. Um, fifth grade was not bad, actually, other than the fact that I was kind of a douchey kid. I really wish I could say that I've always been the angel that I am today. But I was the type of kid to like race the boys in PE just to like prove myself or like intentionally target someone at ball tag. It was like, those are some examples. Like you, I'm not sure you wanted to be friends with fifth grade Taylor. Um, my sister put up with a lot. My parents, I don't know how they did it. I look at home videos. I'm like, what the hell? How did this happen? Um, but I was, I was like your, your average kind of annoying fifth grader. I played soccer. I did ballet for like 10 years. I was on a ski team. You know, I was a big energy. I'm still big energy, but different energy. Um, and then sixth grade came and sixth grade, you know, it hit me like a truck. It was just like, here you go. Um, a lot happened starting in sixth grade of my life. I, had my first seizure, not to, you know, throw you a curveball <laughs> there, but I was diagnosed with epilepsy in 2011. And so for those of you who don't know what epilepsy is, um, I will explain some of it and then you can Google it later if I miss something or if I'm wrong on parts of it. I really hope I'm not because like I'm a member of that community and that would be really embarrassing for me. Um, but it's to put it simply when there are neural connections in your brain that are overactive. And so I guess you could say my brain is like an overachiever. Um, 
And so when that happens, sometimes it's triggered by light or sound or whatever. Um, Somebody suffering from epilepsy might have a seizure. And that's me. I am lucky enough to be an individual who can manage the seizures with medication. And after six months of trial and error in sixth grade, I was able to do so. Um, But some people are not so lucky. So that was a real blessing for me to be able to figure out early enough in my life. Um, Not to say that those six months were not absolutely terrifying for everybody around me. Um, And I wasn't just wandering around sixth grade like like an absolute zombie because I don't really remember that part of my life thank god um due to the way science works I don't remember seizures um but sixth grade was kind of a blur and then in the middle of seventh grade I was lucky enough to discover horseback riding I kind of dropped all of my other passions you know I couldn't do ballet while I was having seizures, I could not necessarily play soccer or ski or anything like that. And so once I had everything under control, I was like, you know what, mom, I'm, I kind of want to ride a horse. And she's like, okay, okay. She thought it was just like a one-time thing. Um, and I rode, I had one lesson and I came home and I sat down in front of our glass door in the backyard and I stared out. And my mom came up to me. She's like, Taylor, are you good? I'm like, I need a pony. So she called my therapist and was like, Taylor's having a mental breakdown. She wants a horse and it's been one day. And um, yeah, two years later, we owned a horse. <laughs> Not <laughs> One PowerPoint presentation later, we owned a horse. Um, no, I was very, very lucky to find a passion that drove me to be better, that drove me to stay at school so that I could go to the barn. Um, I do want to make a whole episode later in the series that talks a little bit about how much a passion can impact your life. Um, because I know firsthand how much it impacted mine. Um, I was lucky enough to have a horse and get to go see a community of people outside of school that supported me in every way and shared the same passion. Um, and it was really my rock throughout those really troubling years in middle school. And it wasn't just the epilepsy that was hard because that was stabilized in seventh grade, but I started to have this like chronic fatigue issue and brain fog. I couldn't focus. And that's like, not just because I'm kind of a spazzy person. It was like physically could not focus. Um, and initially we thought it was just side effects of medications. Like every medication has side effects. Like you're fucking watching TV and it's like, here's Advil side effects include death, explosive diarrhea and neon growing hair and fucking, I don't know, like purple spots on your shins. Like I don't like, where do they make this stuff up? But we thought that that's what it was. I was just getting used to the medications. It's all good in the hood. Um, but it turns out that that was a whole nother issue that I was diagnosed with in high school. We made the transition to high school. We made it baby. Um, but I wasn't feeling great. I was feeling tired. It was really hard to get my work done. Um, and so we went to the doctor and they put me on a little table and it tilted and it tested shit. And, um, I promise I know more about it. I just don't need to get into it right now. Um, (laughs) I was diagnosed with what's called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And as much as it's self-explanatory, those words are very long. Um, Postural, basically, when I go from sitting to standing or 
laying down to standing quickly, uh, my body doesn't respond as quickly or efficiently as other people's bodies respond. Um, that's not just because it's lazy. It's just like not wired as well. Who knows? Um, my blood vessels don't really do the constricting. That sounds kind of gross, but they don't do it as well as other people's do. So my blood pressure can get low. I have to stay really hydrated. Um, and this is something that's chronic. It's not going to go away. And initially that was like an oh fuck moment for me. Obviously, like eighth grade freshman year, Taylor didn't go oh fuck, but um, she thought it. And um, it was something that was progressively getting worse through freshman and sophomore year of high school. And in that in that period of time, everyone's like experimenting and discovering themselves and going to parties and la 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 and I'm like over here just like trying to be in class you know um and so sophomore year I believe it was the summer after sophomore year things got really bad I was probably sleeping 20 hours a day as much as that sounds like heaven to a lot of people um it kind of keeps you from living a normal life so I was starting to get close to failing classes. I could, I was very rarely able to ride my horses, and that's saying a lot because I would do anything to do that. That's like my thing thing. Um, <laughs> I was the crazy horse girl, unfortunately. But things got really, really tough, and you don't really realize what your priorities are and what you hold dear until it's lost and it like you know that whole idea of like you don't know what you have until it's gone but like truly I didn't have anything but energy to pour into getting healthy um and I was lucky enough to get into a clinic in Minnesota called the Mayo Clinic and they had this fantastic it's called a rehab program and it makes me sound like I was a drug addict or at like fucking who knows? I was not a drug addict, I promise. I am not currently and don't plan on ever being one, thank you. But it was more of like a lifestyle excursion, you could say. Um, <laughs> I, they taught you about, you know, making lifestyle choices that are going to make you feel your best for those with chronic illnesses or chronic pain. And so I have to say that month of my life was the most transformative. Um, and it got me back in school full time. I can't emphasize enough how ridiculous it is to be able to say that a month could get me from like living in my bed to being a normal teenager, but it did. Um, and I'll probably do an episode also later specifically on that month and how it changed my health but to to sum it up I it was a major cornerstone in the changing of my perspective like my growth towards where I am right now in terms of how I define health and how I appreciate health um because it's so fragile my POTS which is kind of is a haha postural orthostatic tachycardia um it's ever-changing. I have good days and bad days, even if I'm taking good care of myself. Um, and it really makes you realize, like, those little moments where you feel great, like, are really, really special. And it makes the bad moments worth it. Um, 
and it's a motivator to reach for those good moments. And so my appreciation levels for the good moments exponentially grew because I wasn't having as many bad ones. I was starting to see a result. Um, And I was finally given a high school life back, which was incredible. Um, I was riding horses all the time. I was competing. And of course, with horses comes risk. You know, you're outside in the wilderness. Um, Animals are big. (laughs) That's a very broad statement. Animals are big. Um, (laughs) Horses are big. You know, they step on your foot. It fucking hurts. But you're also in an environment that's dangerous. You know, not only sunburn and shit, but like I was exposed to ticks all the time and it was never a problem for me until you know, this is like a gray area because we don't necessarily know when it happened. It's not like I saw a tick on me or anything, but I have been diagnosed with Lyme disease twice. And both times we, you know, we fixed it, you could say, but it's a very controversial subject and it's hard to know when it started and when it left because the symptoms of Lyme disease are almost identical, ironically, to the symptoms of my pot. So I'm kind of one big like melting pot of disease, as attractive as that makes me sound. Um, And in treating that, I was able to avoid the major antibiotics that people put you on, those IV drips, that crazy shit. Um, Not to, you know, badmouth any parts of the medical field. I think it's a super slippery slope and I don't necessarily need to get into that right now, but um, I was lucky enough to heal myself. That's the underlying idea here. So um, by graduation, I was great. You know, I had finished high school on time, which was like my only goal at this point. Um, I was loving riding horses. I was healthy. I was finally seeing my own capabilities shine through academically. I could focus. This was great. You know, thriving, living my best life. Um, And so I decided, you know what, what's the rush to go right into college, right? Like everyone has their own path. I might as well take some time since I've been kind of like handed the short end of the stick recently. I might as well, if I have an opportunity to take a year, you know, ride my horse, do some stuff, live my life. Um, And so I took a gap year. I rode horses competitively, dabbled in the professional field a little bit, did some teaching, started my own business. And I loved it. For about six months, I was like on top of the world, cloud nine, all day, every day. Um, But as I stated before, and as you will see trends in my life, um, it comes in waves, right? I was having a great time. Something else comes up. That is life. Um, But horses are not the safest of creatures, you know? They have a mind of their own. They are fight or flight animals mostly flight. So when they um, are scared, they run or they, you know, fend for themselves, as you might say. So I got injured quite often and quite intensely um, within the gap year that I took. I broke my back twice. Yes, 
I broke it twice and I had six fractures total. Now, a lot of people, when I say that, they're like, oh my God, are you paralyzed? Did they cast you in your full body cast? Did you like stay in bed forever? Like, no, ironically not. I just laid in bed for like six weeks both time or the first time it took about 12 weeks of that um in I think that was November of 2017 and then I healed I was fine 12 weeks went right back to riding um second time it happened was like July of 2018 and that one, I didn't even go to the doctor for about 10 months because my stubborn ass was like, it's my gap year. I'm going to ride horses as long as I can. Now, <laughs> the, um, the stubborn part of me thought that was a great idea. The health nut part of me was like, Taylor, this is, this is bad. Like you got to take care of yourself. So lesson learned, listen to your body because ironically it was broken it was not just a pulled muscle, Taylor, like riding through it didn't help. So half of my gap year ended up being spent out of the saddle, which was the opposite of why I took the gap year. And that hit hard. Like I thought I had finally reached a point where I could like go live what I had worked for through middle school and high school, which was a healthy life, right? Or what I thought a healthy life was. Um, and that doesn't mean that I, I'm wrong in thinking it was healthy, but my definition of it now is a little bit different. Um, and I'll get into that later. So I spent about six months, not six months, I don't know, probably four months recovering from that injury. Um, and within those four months, I started to notice my stomach bothering me a little bit. Um, it was like, you know, I'm not adjusting the greatest you know if you like eat a bunch and it starts starts making these gurgly sounds you're like oh shit she's working hard like that was a normal occurrence which it hadn't been in the past and so I was like eh, okay I'll like keep an eye on it it progressively got worse and for about six months it continued to get worse now again the whole melting pot of you know disease that I am um <laughs> We never really know when this started, but it got to the point where I was unable to eat regularly. I could not really um, be very active, especially because my back was still healing. Um, And we don't know if it was caused by the back injury with like nerve damage or if just the inactivity of the rehab. But I developed something, (laughs) yet another one, called... um, small and in, small intestine bacterial overgrowth or it's shortened to SIBO so now I have pots and SIBO <laughs> um <laughs> I shouldn't like brag about this I like read through this chronologically and I'm like god damn girl like get your shit together but um this was probably the most intense medical period of my life and I think it has to do with my age too, because I was 19 at the time when I was really working through that. No, I was, yeah, no, I was 19, um, and 20 in the thick of this. And it, it hit harder than when I was going through the epilepsy recovery or the POTS recovery. I think because I was at an age where I knew 
what I was capable of. Before then, I hadn't necessarily lived enough to know what was out there for myself or what I was what I had the ability to do. And so when I was bedbound for months over the summer um, before college, I knew exactly what I was able to do and I couldn't. And that was really, really challenging. And it took, you know, months of only doctor's appointments and only research to really nail down this diagnosis. And that's exhausting. You start to pour all of your energy into your health and not the fun shit, um, you know, like survival mode, which I think I was probably in survival mode for a couple of months there. And when you finally kind of resurface on the other side, that's when I had the biggest realization of what I would, I appreciated because I was almost on the other side of it when I left for college. I thought I was on the right track. I moved into school in August. Again, that's at Miami University in Ohio emphasis on Ohio and two weeks in I'm like I can't I can't do it like I am too sick and like we know from past stories that I'm stubborn right 10 months to go to the doctor stubborn it was not I did not take the decision to go home lightly and it wasn't even something that I felt I had a choice in. It's like, I physically can't be here. At that point, I had lost 20 pounds. Like my hair was starting to fall out like thin, like I was so weak. And again, I also struggle with the pots. And so all of these stomach issues of like getting no nutrition and not being able to exercise exacerbated those symptoms too. So I was really, really struggling with the day-to-day things. I was kind of back to that square one that I was at in high school. Like, brushing my teeth in the morning was an ordeal. Um, And so when I got home, I spent a couple more months just in bed. You know, I was borderline hospitalized. Um, We finally had a diagnosis, and I was on a treatment plan. Things started getting better. Started eating anything I wanted, and that was, like, honestly the best part like my aunt made this fantastic like chocolate like I'm a chocoholic and if if you know me you know how bad it is like she made this like crazy good like chocolate tart thing that was like it tasted like butter like chocolate heaven I can't even describe it I should probably remind her make me another one of those but um best best part about that was like I ate all day. It was the best. It was the best. Um, and when I kind of came out the other side and was able to wake up in the morning and go brush my teeth, like it was nothing. I, and I remembered like, wow, like two months ago, this was not a possibility. This, it, this action is a gift. Like I can go take a shower now and not, need somebody sitting in the bathroom to make sure I don't pass out or someone else like someone else to wash my hair for me because I don't want to see like the chunks falling out like these things that I couldn't do before that I could now do that I never had perspective on as being important before then um and I thought about it I'm like what if every day could be like that. Like, you don't have to go through medical hell to realize this. Unfortunately, I did. But I'm trying to save some people the time and the money 
and the suffering here. I'm trying to shortcut the system. What if everybody could wake up and be like, you know what? I'm lucky enough to walk downstairs and make myself food right now and be comfortable doing that. I'm lucky enough to have my lungs function, you know, by themselves or my heartbeat be regular so I could go exercise as much as I want without worrying about passing out or whatever it is that you experience every day. And so when I realized that, I did end up making a blog and that was kind of the stepping stone towards the podcast that we're doing now. Um, It's called The True Definition. It's on WordPress if you want to check it out. If there's an area for me to link it, I will link it. Um, But I started just writing down my thoughts and my story and what I have gotten out of the experience that I had gone through. And I want I wanted to share that, you know, that perspective, like what if everybody could be this excited about doing laundry? Like how dope would that be? Like that sounds like a great way to live. Um, And as I was kind of like researching stuff and typing up these blog posts, I started to notice that like there's a hole in the body positivity movement that I want to be able to fill with health appreciation because the whole goal that I see in the body positive, the body positivity movement is centered around how every body is beautiful and how every body, you know, is perfect the way it is. And an individual is meant to be the way that they are. And I agree with all of that, but I think we could add to it. I think that Deeper within that, there is a definition of what health is for that person, what health is for everybody. And for me, it's one thing. For me, it's feeling good enough every day to wake up and make food and exercise and get everything that I need to get done so that I can enjoy the little things. But for others, health might just be like a day where they're physically able to stand up and go outside, that might be special for them. Some people, health is being able to run a marathon and that's like bomb for you, like go run. I personally hate cardio, so I don't do it, but <laughs> but like everyone's definition of that is different. And I think appreciating that is something that's really special and could be a fantastic addition to how we talk about individual success. Um, And that's kind of my goal for having this podcast. I started to notice like people don't really read anymore if they don't have to. And even if they do have to, there's like spark notes, like people don't want to read. So maybe this blog isn't the best way to reach people. I'm still going to keep it up because there's pieces that I either don't want to talk about and want to write about or want to write about and don't talk about, you know. Um, But I want to reach as many people as possible. That's the goal here. I'm trying to be a platform of, you know, fostering communication and inspiring people to think a little bit more about what they appreciate every day or how they could appreciate things more each day. Um, Support those that are still going through the rough part before they see the light on the other end. And and just, like, be a, a voice of connection between all of those points and hopefully start a conversation that moves closer towards filling that gap Um, because I never I didn't have a person to tell me 
that it would make my life better than it was before after I overcame everything and I think that's something that could really help people that are still in the thick of it so here we are like this is episode one this is the start of something that I really hope can reach a lot of people um and if it doesn't oh well but it's a really it's something I'm really passionate about and I'm hopefully going to be posting on here every week question mark that's the goal that's the dream shoot for the dreams um ideally every Thursday um have a new episode up I would love to interact with people I chose a podcast platform not only so that people can just plug in their headphones and listen but that I could have other people on and have conversation and interact with people I would love to hear other people's opinions on things other people's stories um obviously if you have negative opinions about me like maybe keep it to yourself um but like we have I have made an Instagram at the underscore wealth of health I would love for you guys to follow that so you could reach out dm me talk to me about what you might want to see or hear on here um again the blog is the true definition it's on wordpress more information about me is on there and I'm really hoping that this is something that can impact people people if it's five people great that's enough for me um Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got something out of this and I will be back next week.